Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble or bumble like a Gregor Bryan combo. Standing on the ground, flat feet, down, coming worms and drugs. And I'm doing it on my terms. Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punched, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting at Claims Coach on Instagram and on TikTok. They just call me the mouth of the South. And alongside of me again is the catastrophe queen, the claims dame, Miss Jessica Odell, and the charismatically charming, the cleverly cognitive, the one, the only baby cakes, Miss Donna Lavelle. How is everybody? Hanging in there? Hanging in there. Well, man, what a crazy time i can't believe kind of how busy the claims world is even in this with no significant hurricane i don't want to take anything away from adelia or alexa or whatever her name was that hit floor i don't want to take anything away from that but it has been kind of crazy busy even with some of these just thunderstorms across the midwest and even in texas and stuff like that we're still seeing a lot going on so um i can't believe how busy we are what's going on over there baby cakes um, let me see. I've been scouring the internet again. Again? Yes. Things we do when we're well, home first alone. Of all, first of all, I posted a picture of the band that sings the um, the Rumble theme song on the Paint of the Claim Facebook page if you want to look at that. Okay. And the girl yep. is the drummer. The, yeah, they have nice. a cool drummer. I love it. <laughs> awesome. So, anyways, let's see. Did you know that Chili didn't... Um, legalized divorce until 2004 it was illegal to get divorced in the country Before of Chile. 2004. Yeah. wow it was the last um country in the western hemisphere to to make it legal do you think husbands and wives sit down and it's like which one of us is committing suicide because we're not we're not staying in this <laughs> uh, like draw straws for that shit or yeah. i guess whatever yeah. there's that idea so um, camels, they, they don't have water in their humps. That, that I've seen so many cartoons. That's wrong. Yeah. Lots of cartoons have water in their humps. You can actually see the level in there and it's sloshing around. Mm-hmm. Um, so camels, camels store fatty tissue in their humps. And mm-hmm. I, I do too. Yeah, right? So yeah, it's I I always thought it was water or some kind of liquid. Or yeah, that's why they didn't get thirsty. I think that's what we thought. Do you think they're self-conscious about their lovely lady humps? Yeah, their humps. You think it's like oh, you think you think they would be self-conscious? No, now that there's a song about it. Oh, okay. Hooray! Check it in. Homage to it. <laughs> okay, so the ancient Romans used to use urine as mouthwash because the ammonia in urine is an effective and natural cleaning agent. Well, it's sterile, and I like the taste. And I like the taste. Yeah, a little homage to. So, who's gonna try that? Our good friends at Dodgeball. I'm going to pass. I can just live with. No, my- I'm good. And did they use their own urine or someone else's? I would think their own. Yeah, look, if I'm going to have to, it'd have to be my own. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what do you think's worse? You heard it here. She said she would drink her own urine. <laughs> well, she didn't say she would drink it. Oh. She said she would use it as mouthwash. Oh, mouthwash. There's a difference. <laughs> now I know why we spit it out. 
<laughs> That's where the spitting out mouthwash came from. I get it now. That makes sense. Okay, let's see. I think that might be all. All for this one? Three of them? Yeah, or unless you want one more. I'll do one. Let's do. Let's do one more. Okay. So on little, who watched Little House on the Prairie? I watched it way back in the day. Yeah. So did you know that Albert Ingalls and Andrew Garvey were brothers in real life? I did know that. Do you know how I knew that? Because I told you. Because you told me. That's (laughs) right. That's. I knew that little fact going into this thing. So for all you Little House on the Prairie fans, there we go, guys. We have got. uh, Thank you, Baby Cakes. You have another one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. There's more to that one. Laura Ingalls and Willie Olson are brother and sister in real life. The Gilberts. Yep. And Sarah Gilbert, who was Darlene on Roseanne, is Melissa Gilbert's sister. That I knew. I did know that. And that's it. Now you know and knowing is half the bullshit. <laughs> Guys, we have got an outstanding show. Thank you so much, Baby Cakes, for all of the uh, knowledge that we walk away with. And uh, I, I have found, I've actually gotten a lot of compliments on the intros. And uh, everybody's loving it. So thank you for all of those wonderful facts. Guys, we've got a great show for you today. <laughs> we got a great show for you today. Um, we're going to be talking about all things inspections. But I want to remind you that Jessica and I are not the ones that are in the Rumble. You're in the Rumble. It is your day-to-day struggle. Jessica and I get together and we figure out all of these things. It's actually pulled out of the claims world that we're working on a day-to-day basis. Um, this is going to be coming to you into three separate rounds when you hear this sound. That means that the round has begun, and when you hear this sound, that means that the round is over and we're moving on to the next topic. Again, we're not debating. We are just simply commenting on the different struggles that we encounter and that probably you encounter too. Guys, we're looking forward to this topic. I think it's going to be a fun one, and uh, we're going to have a lot to get into. Round one starts right after this. Public adjusters, listen up. It's Jeremy Lavelle, owner of Remedy Claims Consulting, host of the Rumble, and most importantly, your claims coach. Public adjuster training is one of the hardest things to find. Sure, you can take some online seminars, you can show up to conferences, but none of them tailor training just for you until now. Whether you need to learn how to estimate, scope, negotiate, or prospect, I can help you drill down on the skills you want to develop. Maybe you're just starting out and you need to learn the claims process from a to Z, or you're just wanting to help are you just wanting help on strategy on a specific claim? I can help you find the traction you were looking for and learn how to truly control the narrative in the ever-changing world of claims. You can reach out to me directly at 888-596-8772, or you can find me on the web at remedyclaims.com and just click get started. That's 888-596-8772 or remedyclaims.com and click get started. You can even shoot me an email at jeremy at remedyclaims.com. That's J-E-R-O-M-Y at remedyclaims.com. It's time to move your career to the next level. Round one, the interview. You know, Jess, I have been working claims for a long time, and one of my favorite things to do, my first thing when I knock on the door after I take a picture of the front elevation and I take a picture of the address and knock on the door. And basically what I was like is like, show me the mess. You know, I just want to see the mess. What is it that you think that happened? And I think that is the very, you want to get their account because I think it's a pretty good idea that we might want to talk to the person that was actually there 
when the damage occurred. It's often the only eyewitness account that we have and that we want to go off of. Now, I know that the carrier is going to assume that everybody's lying generally, but it's good information to have because it can help connect a lot of dots and fill in some blanks. What do you is that is that something that you do when you walk into a house is like, show me the mess or how do you go about it? Absolutely. I I, I apologize first and try to make an, an, a personal connection with them somehow as a human just apologize that they have suffered a loss. And then I say, before I actually begin the inspection, I would like to hear your story, what it is that happened and what you've been through since then. Cause that's also another part of the interview. Uh, it's not just what happened to cause the loss or the damage, but since then, you know, what are some things you've done, whether it's mitigation or or you're trying to reduce further damage or, or just in overall interactions with the carrier. You know, what has happened since the loss? And then go from there. You know, I think that that's really good. In fact, um, I am going to be teaching a control the narrative class, and I'm going to spend it's, – it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's my own workshop, How I Handle Claims, and one of the key parts of that training is the interview. It's actually – I call it the interview where you interview the client and getting their firsthand account. And I love that you're trying to establish some level of connection – Because most of the time, these people are dealing with, first of all, they're dealing with their largest asset that they'll ever own in their life is now in jeopardy. It's in absolute jeopardy. Um, It's not just, and it's not just an asset. It's where they spent Christmas morning. It's all of their memories. And depending on, depending on the loss, like let's take a fire, for example, every, every memory that they had, it's going to be. There's going to be a uh, a line of demarcation of this is before this picture is before the fire. This picture is after the fire. And I'm talking this memory happened before the fire happened. See here, the fireplace is still made out of brick. It wasn't until after the fire that the fireplace was made out of stone or whatever and all of the different things that happen. But this thing is a significant event in many people's lives, especially if you're dealing with water losses and fires on the interior of a home that often spread out and infect the exterior. So I like that you were trying to make some sort of human connection and and show a little bit of compassion and understanding about that. And I, you know, in this story, when they tell you sort of their account, if you listen really close, they're going to tell you the thing that they're the most upset about. That's right. Just pay attention. Pay attention when they're telling their story. Um, It's really important that you listen and you know, I can go across many claims where I can, where I remember this thing mattered, this thing mattered, this thing. And it's often what you're going to think is rather insignificant. Really? That's the thing that matters to you. I've worked claims where all they cared about there was their fence because they were afraid their dog was going to get out. I've told that story mm-hmm. a bunch. I'll, I'll save, save the story for those of you. You can listen to some previous episodes where I talked about the lady who had a, that was more worried about her dog getting out of the fence and not the Honda mm-hmm. sitting in her living room. You know what I mean? So right. um, that these are things that people care about. These are things that, that are concerning to people. And so it's important that we listen to them. What are some of the other things that you want? You, once you kind of get their story, what are some of the other questions that you dig into with them? One of the things that I pick up on a lot is they are willing to forgive that maybe the insurance company or the insurance adjuster didn't know everything, didn't include everything, may have made some mistakes in their estimate. As long as they were willing to communicate, 
the number one complaint I hear all the time. I can't even get the adjuster to call me. I can't get them to email me. I can't get them communication. Not accuracy is more of what people are upset about. Yeah. Then, then if they just said, oh, you know what I did? I, I forgot to put that in the estimate. Let me get that estimate updated. Here's your new estimate. You know, they, they understand that these adjusters aren't going to know everything. That, that, that all, you know, public adjusters included, that all we are are adjusters. However, when you don't communicate at all, it just, no matter what, it infuriates them. Oh, yeah, that's that's the mark of whether or not the claim is going well or the claim is going poorly. People don't like being in the dark. That's, that's I mean, and I always say answer your damn phone. There's no reason and to not answer your damn phone. I, I can pick up during the interview which People prefer communication through text versus email. I'm a big email person. It's documented. I just say what I need to say. I get it sent out. I can move on to the next claim and the next claim and the next claim and the next claim. I'm shocked at how many people today don't check their email at all. Like at all. They're just on Facebook or they're on their text messaging or, or yeah. social media. They don't, they don't have, they don't check. You don't, they only check work email when they're at work, but personal email, they just don't use it very often. And that, was where I was going wrong when I first started out as a PA. Cause that was, to me, that was the only way to communicate professionally. You don't communicate professionally. You don't text people. That's unprofessional. Well, maybe not so much these days. And you learn that through that interview. They'll say things like I texted him. I texted my adjuster. I te I texted my contractor. I texted my whatever. Okay. And that you start picking up on the little things about how that person likes to communicate and how often correct and i think that that's and, and sometimes and that's a customer service thing right there that's really, how you get repeat business and, and word of mouth i mean I, I tell most of my clients hopefully i will never have you and i will never meet again you know what i'm saying unless it's uh -huh. much better circumstances but um you know i have had clients where i've worked multiple claims for i i've had that and one of the reasons in fact i just worked a, i worked a claim not too long ago where the lady goes i like you because you always respond and uh -huh. it was like everything else and i happen to have won all three claims i've ever worked with this lady now some of the different wins looked look different like sure. um sure. but you know they it, that's what she liked is I was constantly, if I can't, I mean, nobody expects you to answer every time somebody calls. I do right. expect that you would call them back as quickly as you possibly can. I right. am not, I, you know, use your own best judgment there. Understand the client that's calling you and why they might be calling you. Understand the circumstances that you're in and that there are other priorities in our life and things like that. So you have to use a level of understanding and, 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 and your own and your own, you know, moral barometer there as to what's appropriate. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you're at your mom's funeral, probably not the best time to pick up the phone. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe you don't even call them that day. You know what I'm saying? But you want to, at some level, respond to them, whether it's even by a text message, if that's, if that's their thing, or if it's by an email, uh, Donna and I worked a claim, um, not too long ago. Uh, I guess it's probably been about a year ago, but the lady just, I mean, it was an elderly lady and she had, she did not do email. She did not do smartphones. She didn't do any of that. The only way that you were going to talk to her is call her on her landline at her house and leave a voicemail on her old school answering machine. And that's the way the lady communicated. And, and sometimes you've got to do that. And sometimes I would even say that we have a hard time being set up 
for somebody that hasn't entered the digital age. It is very hard for me to service yes. those clients because it will disrupt kind of how you handle claims. And so right. setting those expe expectations and being ready for that is important. And the way that you find that out is in the interview, because if you're not set up to handle someone like that, maybe we aren't the best people to work with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, right. I think it's Cal Spoon that even talks a little bit about, he has those clients fill out an application to see if it's going to be a fit between the firm and the, and the, and the insured. I think I've heard him say things like that before. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a piece that a lot of PA firms miss. They'll send out the inspector that may, may not like be licensed as a PA. You know, there's, there's different ways firms and stuff use folks out there. I'm, I'm not getting into those weeds. What I'm getting at is whoever they send out there typically only has inspection on the mind, document the damage and get out. They're not thinking about that interview and then they forget that somebody, even the office staff, you know, maybe the office staff took down all the interview questions, but they didn't share it with the inspector. So somewhere in a, in many different firms, I've seen some disconnections and I know people are working on it and more and more people are realizing that the interview is critical. Well, and some of the interview can happen kind of when the call comes in, it just kind of depends yep. on sort of sort of right. how how you're dealing with the client sometimes sometimes you're asking some of these initial things over the telephone sometimes you're asking these things sitting at the living room sitting in the living room or at the kitchen table i mean it just kind of right. depends and and i'm going to tell you that it's in your best interest to think about some things that are going to affect it you know what I mean? That are going to affect the claim. And it's not just all compassion and handholding while that needs to be an element of what you do, but you do sure. need to ask some tough questions. Like, have you ever filed right. a claim on this before? Yes. Yes. Cause the last place you want to be blindsided is in deposition and then go. And then they ask, you know, you didn't even bother to ask these questions when you took on your client and you're like, um, yeah. you know, have you notified the carrier? If you're sending all of these things into the carrier and the carrier's like, we don't even have a claim for these people. What are you talking about? It's like, have you even notified the carrier? How long ago did you notify the carrier? How much time did you wait before the damage happened before you called the carrier? Exactly. Are you up to yep. date? <laughs> Is your mortgage payments caught up? Because if your mortgage payments aren't caught up, I'm not saying that you don't help them, but I am telling you that it's more than likely if there's a mortgage involved, it's going to be what's called a monitored claim. If you don't know what a monitored claim is, listen to the previous episode. We get into all of that. Um, the or if they've had a modification on their their payments or their mortgage. If they had modifications right. on, yeah, because there's going to be a lot of different people that are interested in whether or not this work gets done. And if they're behind on some of these things, that is going uh -huh. to change the landscape and you'll need to be able to set these expectations. You know, if you're on the phone, you want to talk about, are there any animals in the house? Do they live in the house? Do they live in the backyard? There's all of these questions that you have to get into um, that um, make a difference, you know, um, especially if you're on the phone is like, have you mitigated repairs? Have you, have you begun the mitigation efforts? No, the tree's still hanging out of my roof. I want to make sure the insurance company sees this thing. Well, I understand that line of thinking. I understand why you might think that. That makes sense to me. I want to show you that it wasn't just somebody that put a hole in my roof. It was actually a tree. But no, we can't do that. It's important. Right? You know? And so you're giving these instructions to take pictures and videos and all of these things so that we can prove these things. Um, you know, 
you're going to be doing a lot of things in these initial, you know, in this initial interview that while the house may be livable for you, is the house livable for them? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? These are all of these things that you have to think of um, when it comes to when it comes to you working this claim. And all of this is discovered in the initial interview that you have with the client. I'm going to tell you that you could probably sit there all day the day you show up and the day after and the day after that, that you're going to continue to have these questions pop up. So I want to relieve a little bit of pressure of getting all the information in the single, in, in the first interview, because you're probably going to have to have a lot of conversations throughout, uh, throughout the claims process, but understand these are some things that you desperately need to be asking. Um, I've even, got a- even old damage. I mean, yeah. part of what, what makes you, uh, you know, come across as being transparent in your, proof of loss package as a PA is not just documenting damage that's storm related, but it's okay to put in your photo report photos of some damage and putting in there not related to the storm or not related to this claim as part of the, we have acknowledged this is not part of the claim. Right. We're not claiming we're being transparent. Yeah. We're not claiming this. We're not claiming this isn't part of what's going on here. This was not due to this or that. This is what caused this. And that's a different, that's a different thing altogether. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to ask the insured, Hey, um, this, this doesn't seem to be storm related to me. What do you, Oh yeah. That happened about, you know, three or four years ago. I just never got around to fixing it. Okay. That's all I need to know. Thank and, you. And I think it's also key to know that when you've got other people living in the house, you might do yourself well to ask them a few questions about what happened, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh-huh. <laughs> and I think, you know, because look, if, if a house floods and it gets into some baseball cards that mom just thinks it's something silly that he does, but it turns out these baseball cards are, you know, Nolan Ryan's rookie card. That's worth, you know, 2,500 bucks. I was like, Whoa, hang on a second. Some of these collectibles, some of these different things are, are all of these things sort of matter you know, and, and, and how this works. I know, um, I'm just thinking about exterior claims sort of in the waning moments of this round, you know, if there's a fence, sometimes there's shared ownership with the fence. These are all questions that you have to ask. And once you discover the damage, it will, uh, it will create more intuitive questions that you're trying to discover. But the person that lives there, you've got to establish that relationship. You've got to establish that trust. And I think Jess said it best at the beginning. You want to establish that with a connection that lets them know that you are on their side and you're there for them. Final thoughts on that, Jess? No, I think, I think that was pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I could go, I could probably do three rounds just on an interview and how to break out all the different questions. Um, But guys, if uh, you have any questions about that, make sure you drop them down in the comments and we're going to move along into round two. Um, And it starts right after this. One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle 
on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two, the exterior inspection. So if you've got a cause of loss, like a weather-related loss, um, generally that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start on the exterior. But let me just say this. My inspection is always centered around causation. So I want to start where what is called the origin of loss. Where did the loss originate? Where did it first occur? Did it start as a fire in the toaster oven or did it start as a hailstorm on the roof? Because that is really going to be, that is really going to dictate my method is it all has to do with the origin of loss. But generally when I start with the exterior, I'm always going to start with the roof. That's it's the only job I've ever had where I get to start out on top. So I like that. <laughs> The only other job I get to pay for, I get paid for talking about the weather too. So that's, mm -hmm. I mean, there's worse jobs, right? Where do you start out, Jess? Yep. So I do, I start the roof. Um, and then before I start with the actual elevations, since I just got off the roof, I, the next thing I do right away is the attic because it's on the underside of the roof. And sometimes yeah, there are telltale true. signs of roof Inspecting damage. Both sides of the roof, right? Both yeah. sides of the roof. I can, there and look, I'm just as guilty as many others out there. There have been a few times that where I just simply forgot. That's why I tried to make it a standardized inspection process for myself to do the same things in the same order every single time. It's a methodology. It's muscle memory. So now I get off the roof. Next thing I do is go to the attic. Then I go and do the exterior elevations. And that's pretty much how I do it. And and so one of the things I want to say is one of the purposes of doing the interview, and I, I either call it the grand tour or show me the mess. One of the reasons that I do that is so that the client has their opportunity to talk and point to everything that they think matters, because you'll have those clients that want to follow you around and talk to you. I personally find that very distracting and yes. very difficult to focus. So I try to give them a job to do. It's like, I know you're going to have a lot of questions about the claims process. Please take some time while I'm conducting my inspection and we'll circle up at the end and I'll answer all of these questions. And also, if you think of anything that you want me to take a look at, we'll address that at the end. Other than that, I'm going to yeah. conduct my inspection. Give them a job to do. That's one of the biggest things that I do so that you can stick to your method. And if you don't have a method and I don't care what it is, I don't care if you right. start inside the mailbox, doesn't make me any difference, but pick a method, stick to it. Because if you don't, that's how things get missed. Yep. So some people go clockwise. Some people go counterclockwise when it comes to elevations. I'm, I'm a, a counterclockwise. Clockwise. Are I, know. <laughs> I am a seriously, I am a clockwise. I go front elevation, left, rear, right. And I go and then front, some, right. it, it doesn't matter. It truly right. doesn't matter what we do. But he, here's the other thing that people forget when it comes to documenting losses and doing inspections. It's not just for the insurance company. It's not just for, you know, the, the potential attorney down the road. If you have an estimator, if you're not the person writing your own estimate, 
and you're giving your photo report to someone else to help you write that as do them a favor. They will learn you. They will understand you. They, and, and they'll, they'll constantly be oriented. They're going to be like, nope, this is, this is a Jess file or a, or a Jeremy file. This is how he, he does his inspection systematically time and time again. I know exactly how this is going to go. I know where he is in the house. Right. Do it right. for them. And I, and, I think, and, and, and look, when I take photos and especially on the exterior, and I think a lot of, and I'm going to tell you one of the mistakes that I see, whether you're starting on the roof, whether you start inside the mailbox, I don't really care where you start. I, I just want you to do it every time the same way. And then I'm going to add this. The reason that order is important, because guess what order my estimates written in? the same order my inspections in. So if we're looking right. at the roof, the first thing, if you're looking at roof pictures, the first thing in my estimate is, is, is roof photos. If we're Agreed. looking at front elevation pictures, the next thing that happens. And so I write them, I, I, I make all of that match. Then in my narrative, I do the same thing. So, you know, so you're establishing the order and that's why I go to the origin of loss or where the damage is the greatest. And that's why I start where I start because I'm going to start where the core of the damage, where the damage is the greatest and I'm going to work my way out from there. And it's going to disseminate down from that. And that is why I do that. But I cannot tell you the importance and, and of how to take pictures. Yes. You've got to put them in order so that they make sense. You have to label them. And I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people are going to throw rocks at me. One more place where people throw rocks at me. They always throw rocks at me. I know it. But yes, my way of doing a claim is more work. I'm, I'm going to be the first person to tell you it's more yep. work. You have yep. to take and, and, and the importance of overview to give me the situational <laughs> awareness of where this damage that you've taken a picture of. And I cannot tell you the number of can lights I have pictures of where there's damage, but I have no idea what room no it's idea. in. Yep. Yep. And, it's and like, come on, man. Look, after, what is it? The, iPro, the iPhone, I think it was the 13. That was the first one that came out where it had the three levels of zoom already yeah. right there on your freaking screen the point five the the, the one, one and the whatever and one point yeah right just use it it's already there zoom yeah. out take a picture of the room go left go in front go to the right ceiling and floor there's your overview shots then start with the wall immediately to your left or immediately to your right do an overview then zoom into mid mid-range and zoom in all the way on the damage on the next damage spot Zoom back out at least to yeah, mid range. Right. At least to mid range. What you want me to, what you want to do is go. This is where the damage is on the on the structure. This is where the damage exists. This is how extensive the damage is. This is what the damage looks like. So you have an overview of where the damage exists, what the damage is, and then as you get a close up, then you can get into all of the different all of the different nuances of that damage. Whether you have, you know, whether you're wanting to. Um, like put a put a put a measuring tape on the size of the hail damage on the roof like you may like uh, you know put something on there uh you know like a like a like a tape you're going to put a tape to show that the hail damage is one inch you know one inch in diameter if you've got a one inch diameter hailstone you know that hailstone it's not a one inch hailstone it's probably right. a two or a two and a half inch hailstone the mark is going to be smaller than the hailstone itself 
right? And so you're showing and you're supporting these things and so that they have a good situational awareness of what they're looking at. Because if you've ever looked at somebody else's photo and trying to figure out what it is, it's like walking around in somebody else's underwear. Like, I just don't really know what's going on here. I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what's happening. And so that's the purpose of writing. And, and, and I can't say enough of, of the importance of labeling photos. And that's not just mm -hmm. exterior. That's going to be interior. We'll get into interior here in a minute. But labeling those photos to tell the story. I don't need a, you know, 500-word dissertation on what happened. Basically, what I want to know is that it appears to be damaged due, you know, that's consistent with hail that has damaged the shingle. It's a close-up of a hail hit on the front slope. You know what I mean? And all of these are in order for me. So if I'm looking at front slope pictures, so I'm getting as granular as I can. So I'm not just throwing up a whole bunch of roof photos. When I get on the roof, guess what I do? I work the front slope, the right slope, the rear slope, the left slope, right. just like I work the elevations. Everything is counterclockwise on the exterior. And I'm going to order them in that way. So, and it's like an overview of the roof slope, an overview of the test square, the information that's in the test square, and then a close-up of the damage. Okay. That is, that is how I do that. And I always recommend people thoroughly inspect first, mark, tag, whatever, do it with, you know, if it's roof, hit it with some yep. chalk, hit it with some soapstone. Soapstone is phenomenal too. Um, you know, do, do the inspection part, be in the moment first then take a step back and photograph even when you know it comes to, to interior especially with water losses right you've got a, a structure that maybe water was standing in it for a significant period of time and now you've got moisture wicking up the drywall well you can show that visually go take your measurements put you know grab you like a roll of the the blue painter's tape or whatever um something cheap that doesn't have a real good adhesive so you're not yeah. killing people's you know paint off their wall but grab some of that tape and just put little sticky dots you know where and you can take a step back after you've taken all of your moisture readings on how far up the wall has you know moisture has or water has wicked up you can take a step back and you can literally see the little blue stickies kind of make a line and that's all you have to take is the the overview photo of that and I cannot, I, I completely agree because you're, you're conducting. So what you're not doing is you're not switching hats in the middle of this inspection because you've got right. two major jobs. One, you've got the investigation and two, you've got the documentation of the investigation, right? right. So you're trying to document the things that you've done. And I cannot tell you the importance, the unwavering importance of taking pictures of undamaged material. Yep. Because when you go and you take pictures of just damaged stuff, guess what the exclusion that you get copy and pasted in your denial letter is? Oh, that's just wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, no. See, no, no. Yeah, this sure is all the non-damaged areas over here. And this is what... This is so it's not new. It doesn't look brand new. It doesn't have tags on it. This is what the normal wear and tear looks like. And we're not claiming that what we are right. claiming is this one area that appears to be affected differently than the rest of it is. So and I mean, and I know that we don't have to to, to rehearse all of, you know, when I love it when they send you a wear and tear. Oh, we don't we don't pay for wear and tear and deterioration. Yeah, I know. I'm not filing that claim. I'm not talking about. So what I try to do is I take an overview of the field of shingles to kind of show 
and I try to and 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 if you're taking moisture readings, and I'll get more into this in the interior portion of the show. But when you're taking control, what does dry look like? Not right. just taking pictures of what's wet. Oh, this has got forty percent moisture in it. Well, if the entire house has got a high level of humidity and you go put it where you know no water has been and it's got uh -huh. 40%, you don't know what the control is. So taking some of these control readings and control photos of unaffected areas by this particular cause of loss in this particular origin of loss, these are going to be the things that truly sell your file. And if all you do is take picture of damages you're not absolutely maintaining that there was an event and an occurrence that happened that caused this particular loss. As far as they know, this is just how the house looks. I'm going to add on to your, you know, since Man. we're still talking exterior and roofs, when you get in the attic, you know, yes, obviously you want to check for water stains and separation of joists and, and things up there, rafters. I mean, um, bring an infrared camera up there, folks. Come on. Preach. What what you find is, and, and if you go to the infrared training centers, thermography level one class, what you'll learn, the best time to actually do that is early, early in the morning or the even better time, optimal time is right as the sun is setting. What I didn't realize, even though in the military I had lots of experience with infrared, what I didn't realize until I took that class was water actually retains heat. So if it's, been beaten by the sun all day long and then the sun's starting to go down the dry areas immediately start cooling off the water areas retain heat so if you're zapping the infrared on the inside of the roof of the attic space looking at the decking you're going to be able to see blobs light up where there is moisture trapped between the roofing materials because of wind damage it's like ah! I mean irrefutable evidence that is that is awesome now i do recommend that you be that you be certified if you're certified to, you know what i mean and it's like look i i don't have any problem with adding documentation but i wouldn't let my stuff hinge on it if you're not certified sure. it's like we found these areas of concern this highlighted this thing you're not you're not hinging your file on it more information is better than less information Always, in my opinion, um, when it comes to proving a loss, you know, you're just not going to hinge it and you're certainly not going to charge for it. So, um, well, are and, there, look, there's plenty of PAs out there that are the ones that are certified. I guarantee you, if you're just like, can you help me with this one photo? What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. You could work something out with them. Yeah. You know, I, I could call up Chris Corville and he could take a look at it. And, and I mean, I've actually called up Chris Corville before and he told me my settings on my infrared were wrong. There's no way he could tell me what was going on there. You know right. what I mean? So, I mean, it's like <laughs> that happens too. So understanding how you're like your, your emissivity rating is not correct. Yeah. Something's wrong. Your emiss what? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. I'll have to check the comments later and find out what that thing is. Um, no, the, and so there's, there's that, but I, I, you know, it just helps me do the Easter egg hunt. 
You know what I'm saying? And I use right. infrared tools often just to help me, you know, to complete help. the Easter, yes. Easter egg hunt to go find those things that point to me. Cause generally I don't want to crawl through an attic. I want to crawl to a place and crawl out of it. And so if I can figure out where it is, I want to go look, that's, that's helpful. And, and that's yep. what I encourage you to do. The other thing I want to point out on these exterior inspections as this round closes is that guys, if it's got a radiant barrier in it, you need to stand up, jump up and down and celebrate because your claim just went north about ten dollars to $12,000, depending on the size of the roof. Um, you know, if it's got a radiant barrier and you're pulling shingles out of that radiant barrier, that radiant barrier is full of holes. Um, you want to check and see how many roofs have been on that house prior. If they've got OSB decking, more than likely it is going to be difficult to put another roof on that. You know, depending on what's there. Also, you will find if they've got ordinance and law coverage, you'll find a lot of these older homes have three eighths decking on it. And depending on your particular municipality, most of those have to be a minimum of half inch decking. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a composition shingle, and then if you've got you know stringers, all kinds of other things. You know, it just depends on what what roof you're dealing with, and be aware of those those codes when you get ready to kind of go do your your you know, your literal investigation as far as looking at the literature that's available to you to kind of help support what you're saying. So all of those things, when you're doing an exterior inspection, I would put, point the attic, even though it's technically the interior, I'm going to include that in my exterior portion. Yep. That's what I'm going to do. So it's good to not just take pictures of the outside of the roof. It's really good to take pictures of the inside of the roof. That's my favorite takeaway. I like that one. And then the infrared camera on the inside is awesome. I love that idea. Thank you yep, so at much. At sunset. At yeah. sunset. Because in the morning, it's kind of like it kind of works opposite, right? So, yeah, but yeah. still, it yeah, ends at end of the day is fantastic to use infrared on, on roofing. Sure. Non-reflective uh, roofing. How <laughs> replace that. There you go. There you go. Um, well, that covers the exterior inspection, guys. Make sure you always drop your questions and comments about exterior uh, inspections uh, down below, and we're happy to get to those and answer those. We're going to get into interior inspection, in, interior inspections inside of round three that starts right after this. When choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including three voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on, uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. If you already have these pages, she'll optimize them for you as well call or message sally today if you want to get started you can reach her at 214-789-1651 again her name is sally brigance her number is 214-789-1651 and uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up 
when you send her a referral that signs up with her she'll credit your billing account logos are also available um and she also offers a lead generation service and seo search engine optimization where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of google or your money back it is spelled t-h-r-y-b and you can find my good friend sally brigance and that's spelled s-a-l-l-i-e brigance b-r-i-g-a-n-c-e and she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651 round three interior inspections now, more than exterior inspections, because my exterior inspections typically have one way that I do it. It's roof to elevations, and then I do other structures. And I work um, other structures, whether or not it's it, based on recoverable depreciation. So your sheds typically have recoverable depreciation. Then I inspect, um, then I inspect uh, the portion of the claim that's going to be non-recoverable most typically. And that's, but that's not necessarily the order that I do. I just cover all of my exterior stuff before I go inside. So we can talk about photo order at some other point in time. Um, if you have questions about photo order, I'll be happy to help you out with that. But when I start with the interior inspection, I want to know where the mess started. Where did it manifest first? That's the thing I'm going. So if it's a fire, it's the origin of the fire. Where did the fire start? If it's a pipe break, what pipe broke? Um, I worked. And so and sometimes you, you can have multiple origins, right? You can have when you're working a freeze claim, you can have multiple origins. If you have ice damming, you can have multiple origins where water enters the home that can happen in multiple places. So that is kind of where I start and I work my way out from there. Um, Jess, are you kind of doing basically the same thing or do you start yes. and work it more methodically within, you know, from a room to room standpoint? No, I usually start where the source is, and then I try to, again, work clockwise. I know, sacrilegious, not counterclockwise. But, yeah, I try to work left to right. <laughs> well, I only reason I work clock, uh, counterclockwise is because that's who taught me. That's how yeah. whoever taught me t showed me how to do it. So, I, I mean, I realize I don't care. Back in the day when I was working for the carrier, I would reject files because they were worked clockwise. Not because they were worked wrongly, but because you did it in the wrong order. I was I was super legalistic, super legalistic when I would review those files. And I'm, I'm still pretty fierce as it is now because I like files to be in order. I like to be able to bring them up and they make sense, you know. And yeah. I think that that's, that's one of the things that's going to add value to your claim. And I'm, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's the little secret is what I'm telling you to do is what independent adjusters used to be taught, okay? It's not what they're taught so much anymore, but this, it may be, but all of the guys that are still doing it from years ago, and I would say by years ago, I would say pre-Hurricane Harvey, okay? But the guys that got, that got trained before Hurricane Harvey hit in 2017, this was the way that we went about it. And when you turn a file in, I'm telling you that desk adjuster can tell whether or not you know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? And if it's completely out of order and you're throwing them a picture of the, of the inside bedroom and then the next photo is, you know, dense on the fence of the AC unit. And then your next photo is of a fence. And then the next photo is of a bathroom faucet. And the next photo, is, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I if it's that kind of out of order, I mean, you need to have a method 
where you're almost and not almost where you're telling a story of kind That's of right. what your approach has been. I mean, it is it is a documented story of how it goes. And and that is how I work the inside. So it's all four corners of the room. When I take a picture, I want to make sure all four corners and every single thing, every piece of furniture behind doors, all of those things are taken. You know, if there's a closet, you want to get all of the four corners inside of a closet so that you can see what's going on. Sometimes you got to move some clothes and some you know boxes and things like that to get everything that you're wanting to get um closets are notorious for having um damage in them and a lot of times they're notorious for having undiscovered ongoing damage i can't tell you how many times that i mean i've seen damaged closets that i think got damaged during the flood and by flood i mean noah's flood that one you know <laughs> gosh i mean um Carry a flashlight with you guys. Carry a flashlight. Are there any special tools you like to use when you're doing an interior or a large loss, large interior loss? Um, well, I mean, other than the 3D tour type stuff, whether it's a Matterport type camera, because there's multiple cameras out now. They have the access to where you can use your iPhone to do it. I like so that. Matter- I, have, I have that. The access is yeah. great. I like that, especially for like your smaller homes or you're doing five or six rooms or something like yeah. that. Those are great. I love that one. Um, you know, DocuSketch is another fantastic. The reason I love DocuSketch in comparison to Matterport on the PA side of things is, I mean, you can stick that camera in the center of a 10 by 10 room, step out behind a wall or behind a door or whatever, and snap a photo. And it takes both pictures, complete 360 in that one second. It's done. You've captured the whole room. So it's now the Matterport would be. It is exceptionally faster. In fact, I did some research um, and some cost analysis on it. If you were to do 10 or 20 residential homes in a month, for example, um, with DocuSketch, the 20 units or or homes um, would come out to, I think it was $975 for the month or something like that. But it comes with the ESX sketch already done for you. The cabinets are included. The windows are included. The tub, the toilet, all that. I mean, there is quite a bit that is included in that sketch and it comes to you already done. The Matterport to get the same thing, you, you know, you have to, it's basically called a true plan. It's 159 and some change, I think for under 2,500 square feet. So assuming all 20 units were under 2,500 square feet, it still comes out to 3,000 and some change a month for, for the same. The only thing that Matterport is untouchable at is that dollhouse technology. Being able to rotate in the entire structure in 3D is, is, what you're, is really what you're paying for. The other function is the ability to take measurements inside of your 3D tour. Um, I have yet to find any other 3D tour type of technology out there that, that offers those two. So I think that's where Matterport still, you know, just you, you pick and choose what you need and what you want. And that's, and that's why I use Matterport to be honest with you. And I'm an estimator. One of my core competencies, I'm really good at running an exactimate. Not everybody is right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were just working as an estimator and you sent me a Matterport, I would be incredibly thankful, incredibly thankful that I had I had that in front of me because that is 
because of being able to grab a measurement that maybe one person right. didn't think about. Those are yep. those are huge. Those are huge things, especially custom. Like when you're talking custom woodwork and trim and and all the intricacies, being able to measure that back at home station is it, it is it's and I use Matterport's got basically three different views in it. And I, this is not a Matterport ad. And I want to be honest with you. I have never used iGUIDE or uh, DocuSketch. Those are the other two primary uh, market shares that are out there. Um, but I can create a trace off of off of the Matterport floor plan view. Then it's got the dollhouse view. And then obviously it's got the walkthrough. And so right. I use those to create my Xactimate estimates. I don't have anybody estimate for me. I write 99% of my own estimates. I do mm -hmm. all of my own sketches. I just happen to know how to do that. I don't think it's yeah. necessary for you to be that person to be a great public adjuster. I know several great public adjusters um, out there that don't run Xactimate, but they still do a really good job and they outsource that kind of thing. You know, the downside of Matterport, in my personal opinion, Jessica, is the, you don't own it. That bumps yeah. me out quite a bit is that you don't own it. And if you let your membership go, all of that, all of your data for those claims are forever gone and you can't download the video. You can't do anything. It's just gone. And that's the way that it works. Right. And I, I, that's a downside. Do you know if you own the DocuSketch walkthrough or anything like that? No, it's it's the same thing. It's it's all subscription based, but DocuSketch it's unlimited, so you don't have to archive things and unarchive things right. to free up spaces. It's unlimited. But no, you're right. Um, but yeah, I think it's especially for larger losses for custom type high or high end homes, things like that. Having a 3D tour. Is, is golden. I know as part of your inspection. Attorneys, juries, and judges love them. Love it. Yep. Love them. I and so I I highly recommend if you're working large, it doesn't even have to be large. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, I mean, if you're working more than one or two rooms that connect together, I just I mean, it's just the best thing in the world. And that dollhouse view, I have turned that in with many files and it's it's intimidating. It's intimidating because, I mean, basically, from the first picture that they look at from the interior, it's like, I'm more prepared for this than you are. Right. Yeah. Because it's almost like, the, let the show begin as it starts to bring up the dollhouse and right. zoom in. You're like, here we go. Uh, and, I mean, I have. It is. It's great. <laughs> I, used, I used one on a fire where they had floor vents, right? And they were claiming that the air conditioning system could be cleaned is what they were claiming. And I showed floor vents and then I showed the AC unit right beneath the floor vent. And so right. you see the dollhouse right into the, so it was all the fire department water that went into the floor vents and went yep. right into the unit. So don't tell me <laughs> that, you know, and it's sort of like I, and it's that, that ability to document things. I do not have to negotiate a lot of my files because of my inspection documentation protocols. I am right. just telling you that there's not a lot to argue about. Either they're going to take it or they're not going to take it. You know what I mean? And I really look at my job as a public adjuster down to one simple thing. I'm giving the carrier the opportunity to do the right thing. Usually if they don't accept it, they've already made up their mind before they saw anything. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, in, it's yeah, a business in, decision for them at that point, not a coverage decision. It's a business. And, but, Baby Cakes runs the Matterport for Remedy Claims Consulting, and I have I have I have used other people's Matterport scans before, and I'm going to tell you that there is nobody better with a Matterport camera. 
than Donna. Thank you. Hands Ooh. down. Hands down. Go, girl. Nobody better. She is super methodical about it. She, how do you run yours? So when you're doing an entire scan, I would love to hear sort of your method when it comes to doing an interior inspection, because Donna's done a few. She's done a few. When you've done your interior inspection, how do you work the Matterport camera? What is sort of your method on that? I always go to the right. So I'll do my first scan. And then, like, if there's a room on the right, I'll go to the, I always go to the right. No matter what's there. Is that how you keep track and make sure that you're not going to miss anything? That's how I make sure I get the entire house. Um, what are some of the other things that you're doing when you're Matterporting, like cabinets, things like that? How do you deal with some of these different things? Um, I open cabinets so you can see the, the hinges, what kind of hinges they are. Um, you can sometimes see what kind of material the cabinet is made out of when, from the other, when it's open, uh-huh. the other side. Um, I've also lowered my tripod to get really low, low pictures underneath the, what is it? Like called? where the kick plate where is the on the cabinets. Yeah, yeah. Where the kick plate is to see, to show yeah, how many holes. holes. Yeah, yeah. The drying holes. Right. Yep. Yep. And, uh, we actually determined cause I, we were told one time that the, uh, the kick plates were MDF and I was like, no, they're actual real wood. You know what they I mean? They love to and say everything's saying, MDF. Like, yeah, oh, they want to say everything's MDF or we can just reskin it. I'm like, you're going to just reskin stained toe kicks? Well, they weren't stained. They're just, they just got a laminate over it. I'm like, oh no, here's the picture of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. so I, we have used, I use Matterport for so many things. It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not the carrier pushes the play button or clicks the link. I can go get a full complement of photographs. So I think Matterport, the three-dimensional scanning tools, if you're a public adjuster, do whatever you can to get that. I know that you can outsource it if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Again, we- I'll do it. Yeah, Donna will do it. Again, we don't own it. We don't own it. So there is a time for you to use it. We'll try to leave it active as long as we can. Um, But, you know, there's you don't own the video. So, I mean, you have to get everything that you want to get off of it as quickly as you can settle the claim, that kind of thing. But I know some of these more difficult claims take a year or longer, you know. Yes. So, um, Matterport. The other thing I would recommend is when when you guys out there listening, when you're taking your 3D scan especially if it's a water loss, a fire loss or anything like that, go ahead and open up all the drawers, all the cabinets yep, and take extra scans so that you're able to capture all of the contents. Your content adjuster is going to love that. Somebody's got to do contents, whether you outsource it, you do this, you do that, whatever. Somebody at some point is going to need that, you know, capturing of the contents. Well, and, and here's the last thing. So, I mean, that pretty much tells you that. Uh, I think you need to have a moisture meter to show kind of your moisture readings. Oh, make, absolutely. Sure, make sure you take your control readings. I am using a FLIR. I want to say it's the M2577. It's kind of a three-in-one. So it's got a stab moisture meter. It's got like a sensor moisture meter. It's got a thermal camera. And it's also got a hydrometer where you can test the humidity in it. I like that tool. I want to say it's about 1300 bucks, But you can also get just your run-of-the-mill moisture meter for about 40 bucks from Home Depot. I would rather you go out with a $40 moisture meter than nothing at all. You know, Or, or Tremex. Tremex and and uh, what is the other one? Oh, now, now don't get me to lie. Never mind. I can't. The, there's another one out there. Those are there's two in the industry that are the most highly revered as being accurate and professional. Tremex okay. is one. 
Um, okay. The Moisture Encounter 5, which is, you know, just a, a nice basic moisture reader. You've got the pads on the back. You can incorporate, you know, some pokes and stabs with it as well. But it's, I don't know, 500 bucks if you're just looking for a solid moisture reader. And I know this isn't part of, you know, <laughs> this isn't a make or break of most tools, but it is actually Bluetooth. And you can moisture map from an app with the Tremex. Oh, I don't cool. use it that yeah. much. It's, it's, it's very, it's very, I don't know. I, I, I like using the other 3d scans and all that stuff and using just the floor plan to annotate, which walls yeah, need two foot. That's blood how and, I, yeah. That's exactly how I do it. I just, but if I'm, you I'm really wanted to get that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You can, you, could, you can really moisture map down to, you know, the, the, uh, like a one f- foot. You can, you can you also know, get, you can get laser tapes that'll Bluetooth into Xactimate Mobile and draw yep. rooms for you. I mean, there's a lot of tools out there. But with yep. my last That's little true. bit of time, I want you to be. Uh, I want to. I want to press on one last thing. Um, these tools are great, but guys, material identification. Don't. Yeah. Guess. <laughs> don't guess. Don't think you know what it is. Don't. Just make sure that you're identifying material, especially when it comes to floors from ceramic tile to travertine tile to porcelain mm-hmm. tile to uh, hardwood to engineered wood, hand scraped engineered to laminate to vinyl tile to carpet, what kind of pile, all of these kinds of things. Um, you know, I'm not telling you to waste a bunch of money on ITEL, but ITEL is one of the few that I know that you can actually send flooring samples off to. Um, my little tip there, if you are getting an ITEL, don't put a claim number in it because I think the information that you get back is a lot more accurate and true than if you put a claim number. If you put a claim number on your ITEL request, it always comes back with a match and that it's available. So <laughs> oh, the <laughs> irony. I have found that to be kind of more true than not, but whatever. I mean, that's kind of on the edge of a conspiracy theory there. But yeah, material identification, super, super important that you make sure that you get your materials right. There's a lot of different things that are going on um, with that. And that goes for exterior too. Jess, any, any final thoughts? No, just to wrap that up, make sure you're taking overview photos, even of the interior. What wall are you on when you're documenting your damage? Yeah, because the three photos I look at before better have to do with the close-up of the damage photo that I'm looking at now. I need to yep. go back and it needs to be the same. That is that is that is job number one. And make sure that they're in order. And the last thing that I would say, you need to do a written narrative on your inspection report. Yes. Yes. I can't I can't yes. if you're not if you don't have a written narrative of what went down, then you are you're 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 missing the point of the whole thing because you know we your pictures need to tell a story, your estimate needs to tell a story, and you need to tell a story. So and all of these things have to have a story to tell and make sure that you're all telling the same story. And look, I know there are so many of us that are so busy. We don't have time to sit down and write a whole narrative. Look, there are apps out there. I've got one on my Apple watch. I use all the time. It's called just record. I press that button. I will speak the story into my Apple watch, send it up to the cloud. It transcribes everything for me into a, it's big, one big massive paragraph. So you're going to have to go back and clean it up. You can be lazy and do a written narrative. Yes, you can be lazy and do a narrative. Oh my God. Use technology. Cue gasp. I can't believe you can still be lazy and do a written narrative. So there you go. 
Um, um, I'm sitting here giving you information. Jess is eliminating excuses, but uh, <laughs> I, I've got this little saying in the claims world, lazy don't get paid. So <laughs> if you want to get paid in claims, the more robust that you can be. And guys, we're going to be back um, with another episode real soon. And I think, hey, Jess, what do you think about doing one? kind of on after your inspection is complete that maybe we talk a little bit about kind of your desk investigation report writing yeah, report writing yes. and and getting all of that information in there what do you say we do something on that i think that could be we a should. lot of fun so guys we stay should. tuned for that i want to uh, let you know that we have um zeroed in on a date for the control the narrative training that will take place right here in the dallas fort worth metroplex that is going to be on march the 5th so keep your eyes peeled for more details if you go to remedyclaims.com slash training and get on the mailing list we will keep you updated and abreast of all of the things as they develop big shout out to the boys at inc for helping me put this thing together i'm looking forward to that i will be at uh if you're listening to this more than likely i will be at RoofCon with the at the ink booth so please come by and say hello jess are you going to orlando for that thing are you going to be there for no. that no got, not going? no i've got several um several projects we're working on and i made me to pop down there and Help do inspections yeah, as we're just go. talking so, about inspections. Well, I, I, did, I didn't know. I mean, it would be kind of cool if, if, uh, if you were going to be, it would. but, um, if you see me at any of these shows, I'll keep you up to speed on what shows I'm going to be at. I would love to uh, spend some time and talk with you guys, answer questions, do anything we can for you. Um, but we'll be back next week and, uh, maybe we'll talk about more, some investigations, but in the meantime, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. And we will see you on the next one yes we're coming up don't even try to diminish it i won't start it but i damn sure will finish it